Welcome, everybody. I'm Chris Miller, author of the number one best-selling book, Ready for Pre-Tirement, Three Secrets for Safe Money and a Fabulous Future. I'm so honored to be the host of the show called Ready, Set, Retire. Do you lay awake wondering if you have enough money to pay the bills, let alone retire? In this show, your vision will be transformed, and I will show you how to have safe money and a fabulous future. I've counseled thousands of individuals, businesses, and families over the past 20-plus years and proud to say I've never lost a dollar of my clients' money. I will share with you secrets that have been withheld for centuries, really, that you would be able to protect your money, and this is what we're going to share with you. Pre-retirement means plan retirement early so your money, your health, and your peace of mind is there when you need it. I have gotten in contact with some amazing experts that are going to add lots of value to help you recreate yourself. A lot of people in their midlife are recreating themselves, starting new businesses, and making sure that they're going to make an impact. And today I have a really special guest. Her name is Judy Hoberman, and she's the president of Selling in a Skirt. She's created a suite of workshops, seminars, and coaching programs that will take negativity out of selling. Her 30 years in sales has given her both the knowledge and sense of humor about gender differences that we should all understand and embrace and feel, and instead of feeling unable to communicate. Judy's humorous stories about him, him, how men and women sell, manage, and recruit and supervise differently will enlighten you in learning on how both genders can both support each other's successes in a more productive way. So we're really talking about how to outsell your competition by doing what comes naturally. You know, women possess some amazing inherent qualities that are needed in society. We're great listeners emphatic and driven, hard workers. To top that off, we're natural relationship builders, and those are some of the ingredients and and, um, recipe for success. (laughs) Judy, I want to welcome you here. You you have some great things to share with us today. Thanks, Chris. I'm excited to be here. Really, really glad to have you. Well, you're a sought-after sales consultant, speaker, and you've really seemed to be changing the culture of sales teams so they can effectively address the differences between men and women. And maybe if we figure out the differences, we might find out what we can do to work together. Yeah, well, you know, the whole thing is, Chris, when I talk to companies or when I talk to groups or you know, whether I'm doing a keynote or training or coaching, I always talk about differences. I never talk about who's better, who's right, who's wrong, because that's ridiculous. What I talk about is understanding the differences, because when you understand who you're dealing with, how they listen to you, how they ask questions, how they communicate with you, it's a much easier uh, workplace because we're on the same playing field. You know, that is, that is so fascinating because what you're saying is so true. I mean, you can you can be saying the the right thing with the wrong words, and in somebody's mindset, uh, they're not going to hear what you're saying. So how how did you come to this? What really brought you to this kind of training? 
Oh, well, you know, I go back 30 years, and I was always in male-dominated industries. Right. And because we spoke two different languages, you know, I would have to basically wing it because when they would ask me to do what they would do, you can only do so much unless you're the same gender. Right. And, you know, they would always be much more transactional, and they wanted to get in, get out, and get the check. I was much more relational, and I would take longer in my appointments, but I would have these long-lasting relationships where people would refer me all over because I took my time to listen and to understand. So after um, 18 years of being in insurance and financial, I did a little brief two-year corporate stint. Now I could check that off my bucket list. <laughs> and, you know, and I just I built a university for an insurance company, and I built all their training, and I realized that was not what I was supposed to be doing. Mm-hmm. And so I resigned in the height of this amazing economy in 2009, and I went and I thought, like, what would I have needed if I was opening a business, if I was thinking about a business, and if I was a female? And what I kept coming up with is I would be looking for somebody that I could, you know, that could mentor me, to coach me, because there weren't any women. It wasn't, it wasn't like they, women didn't want to do that with me. There weren't any. Right. <clears throat> so I started a company selling in a skirt, and I do coaching and training and consulting and, um, and keynote speaking all about men and women in business and how women can be very successful just by doing what they, you know, using what they have naturally as opposed to trying to be men. Right. So so why is it important for women to build relationships? Well, you know, in in business, relationship marketing is really just a new label um, of the tools that women have always used in building their businesses. Women know that it's really about sharing and, like I said, building long-term relationships that last. And we tend to focus more on our prospect's point of view as opposed to the sale. We talk about benefits. We talk about including our prospects, using their opinions, bringing them into the conversation, and asking their opinion. So we talk about doing what's natural. We build relationships that's on the top of the list. It's part of our DNA. And, you know, we all know that people do business with those that they like and those that they trust. Well, it starts with relationships. But it does take more time, and it does take more effort. And and sometimes they say that women can just waste their time by making everyone their friend. And that's true. A lot of women can't get past the relationship building to close a deal. But that's another chapter for another day. But, you know, women do make friends with people. And, you know, they are referred out all the time because we're there. We're the ones that people call because they know they can count on us. And a lot of times in business, a lot of salespeople go directly to promoting, you know, whatever it is that they're trying to promote instead of focusing on the relationship. The most successful salespeople are relationship-focused rather than sales-focused. And I always tell people, you have to be interested, not interesting, and that's a big difference. Oh, that's great. I really like that because it's really about you're really there to serve the person and not brag about yourself, Mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. And and do you really – do you think much has changed? Because I'm really shocked about the, how much the still of that men-women thing is really still going on. It, 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 the numbers, the statistics are really crazy how women really still get paid less. And it, it, Do you see that still pretty much the same? Or 
It, you know, in, in many cases, of course, it is exactly the same. And in many cases, it's very different. But, you know, if you just go about dollars, and that's what people look at first, yes, women do get paid less than men as a whole. But if you look at women and men just starting out into business, a lot of women are paid more than men. So when you say that we're making 70 cents, 77 cents on the dollar, that's all women and all men. So, you, you know, it's, it's a big generalization, but it's not right. It doesn't matter what it is. It's, it's not right. Um, but there are more women that are uh, graduating college. There are more women in um, graduate degrees. There are more women in STEM than there's ever been because when I was in school, if I wanted to be a doctor, my mom said, no way, you're either a secretary or a nurse or a teacher. Mm-hmm. Now women are into the science and the technology, the engineering, the, the medicine. They're, that's part of where they're moving into. So there is a lot more movement, but there's still a lot of things that are the same. There's still the good old boys club. That hasn't changed. You know, but, but you're also seeing that a lot of companies are now putting out women's initiative networking events and women's groups. So there's a lot more going on and a lot more uh, people talking about women because that is like the hottest topic that there is. Wow. You know, it's fascinating what I've noticed in the last few years. I'm sure you have, too, this trend of there's like a revolution going on with women, mm-hmm. and a lot of people, are women especially, are going, you know what, I, I'm done with the 8 to 5. I want to do my own passion. I want to be able to share, give mm-hmm. back, and do something that's meaningful and be my own boss, um, it, and it it seems a lot of these events are about eighty percent women. Have you noticed yeah, that? Yeah, you're right. It is because women will, um, when a woman puts out an event, they're talking about an event. Women will come. They will come. You know, they they want to be around women. They want to learn. Women invest in themselves more often than men do, as far as coaching and training. You know, they they do. Right. Um, but women also are a little bit more open to receiving information. They may not want to ask for it, but they definitely are into receiving the information. You know, I have an event next week, and um, it's interesting. You know, it is all about women, but I do have men calling me and saying, is it okay if if we show up? I'm like, absolutely, because wouldn't, don't you think that would be smart for men to understand how women think and, and how they learn? And I mean, that's what I would think. Uh, definitely, absolutely. I mean, we're here to work together, not be separate. That's right. very smart. So, and you have how often do you have your meetings? Do you have these events or this? This is a, a new one for me. This is the first one that I'm doing. That it's all about being profitable, and it's it's all different um, female speakers that are coming in to talk about different aspects of the business and how to be profitable. Um, it is a theme that we probably will continue probably three or four times a year and probably in different cities. But this is the the first one that is in it's in Dallas, and we've got some pretty big keynote speakers coming in and it's just it's going to be awesome so we're very excited about it excellent so what do you think the biggest challenge for most women entrepreneurs and and professional saleswomen is you know i think the first one really is the biggest one is the balance you know that that elusive work-life balance that everybody thinks really exists you know, yeah. you know, and many many times women are the the natural backbone of a family. So they find themselves doing so many different things between work and between home, and 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 a lot of times their personal life suffers. But we tend to try to be everything to everyone, and we wear so many different hats, and we juggle, and it just becomes overwhelming. 
And, you know, I always tell women that are entrepreneurs that really do have to do a lot of the things, you have to wear a lot of hats, but not at the same time. So when you add the title of an entrepreneur or a business owner into the mix, it gets even more crazy. Because not only do we feel like we have to do it all, we always feel like we're the best person for the job. So we tend to have a more difficult time delegating responsibilities. I know I am the worst at it. Yeah. You know, it's it, when you're a control person, it's right. a little bit difficult. So that would yeah. be the number one challenge that I think women have. That's a good one. In fact, that's exactly my challenge right now. It's like, how can I hire someone to do these things that only I know how to do, right? Right. You know? When you, you know, and I always tell people here, here's, and it's easy for me to say it. I don't do it, but I say it. I always say, you know what, take the things that only you can do and keep them on your plate. And anything else, give away. So if there's somebody that could do it, it may not be exactly the same, but they can do it. And I actually had hired somebody a couple of years ago to make phone calls for me. And I was listening to her. And, of course, it wouldn't be exactly the way that I would do it. So I ended up sitting in my kitchen eating pretzels and not drinking any water because it would be really dry and I couldn't speak. Because <laughs> it just freaked me out. And, I, you know, it, it, it obviously didn't work out. You know, otherwise I'd be 9,000 pounds. But, um, you know, it, that's the problem. We don't know how to delegate. We we just yeah. we'd rather do it ourselves. Oh, I'm guilty. Okay. Yes, absolutely. And then then we're all overloaded and wonder why. Yeah, it's that's a, but that's a really good tip. Only the things that I can do, right? Which is probably the content creation is really, you know, no one can create what you can create. Right. Right. And you know, it could be anything like that or it could be that you could you're the only one that could do the keynote speech. Okay, you're the only one that right. could do it. But somebody else can create, you know, the the PowerPoint or somebody else can create right. the handouts. Exactly. So it's that the, that kind of thing. Exactly. So who's considered a salesperson? We were talking a little bit about that earlier. What what do you mean by that? Okay, everyone is a salesperson. Okay. Everyone is in sales. I don't care if it's in your title, I don't care if it's not, we all sell. Either it's a product or a service or an opportunity or a position, but most of all, we sell ourselves. I mean, that's the biggest thing. You know, I, I, I tell people, think of it this way. Look at a baby. The baby's crying, and the baby is selling his or her parents on the idea that if you feed him, there'll be some quiet around the house. So even a baby is in sales, <laughs> Right. Right. It's true. So That's while sales true. help you pay your bills and it affords you the lifestyle you want and it helps you work with people to find solutions to their challenges, it's what most people hate to do. They think it's icky and sleazy and, and they don't like asking for money. But it right. doesn't always have to have a, a negative connotation. But everyone is a salesperson. It doesn't matter. Everyone's in sales. Right. So that is such a great point. So it doesn't have to be the sleazy car salesman prototype that everybody thinks of so so now here's the challenge of um you are talking to a a man or male person and do do you what do you do i mean do you change your your is your language changing because you know that they are they're expecting a certain format or are you being yourself or what well, you know, here's here's a good part about um, sales. Sales is really all about asking questions. That's all it is. That's all it is. If you start to ask the right kind of questions, 
you will have a wonderful relationship because you're showing somebody, like I said, that you're interested and not interesting. And asking questions is what begins that whole relationship and listening cements it. So for a man and a woman, asking questions actually means different things. For men, it actually means that they just want to gather information. That's it. That's all they want is gathering information. Women, on the other hand, they want to not only gather information, but they also want to let you know that they're interested in what you're talking about and they want to cultivate a relationship. Mm-hmm. Now, asking questions like an interrogator is not effective. I mean, a lot of people say, well, I'll just ask you know, 50 questions, boom, 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 boom. But it's, that's not how it works. Women actually ask a lot more questions than men, and they simply can't move forward until all of them are answered. And sometimes women ask questions that men don't even think to ask. So if you think about it, you know, if you think about the fact that men want to gather information, so they want to hear close-ended questions. They want you to ask them things that they're going to be able to give you the facts and the figures, the features and the benefits. That's it. Women ask more open-ended questions because they want the story. So if you said to a man, do you need, let's say insurance, do you need this insurance plan? He's going to say yes or no. And if you asked a woman, you don't ask her that. You say, tell me why it's important for you to have insurance. It's the same answer you're going to get, the yes or no. Yes, I need it. Don't, no, I don't. But she's going to say, you know, if I have insurance, my family will be protected. I'll be able to do this. I'll be able to, ha- you know, have peace of mind. She's still saying she needs insurance. She's just giving you the reason why. So she's giving you the why, and he's giving you the facts and figures. Right. So then you're, you've developed a system so that when – on what how people can actually talk to each other. Absolutely. Absolutely. And you know, uh, you know, it, when you said before that I had been in sales for, you know, a million years, but 30 of them. Right. Um I have never ever ever sold anybody anything, but I was always a top producer. And the reason is because I had conversations with people. I truly wanted to know who they were, what they did, and I asked a ton of questions. And I was nicknamed the question queen. Because I asked so many questions that when I'd walk in a room, people would roll their eyes and think there's not possibly another question she could ask. But I wanted to get as much information as I possibly could because I was building those relationships. And and I wanted to make sure that they knew I could help them solve their challenges just by listening. So I'd ask the questions and I'd listen. And so I never had to sell anything. I would just ask questions, develop a relationship, and it was a conversation. Great. That sounds great. So you, you 30 years is a lot of experience, and mm-hmm. I can tell the way you're talking, you really have a great system there. Um, how can you make sales less salesy? Well, the, if you start about what I've just, you know, what I just said about um, asking questions, it would be a less salesy approach because it doesn't sound like you're selling anything. It sounds like you're having a conversation. You know, most people don't want to be considered a salesperson because they they just feel like it's the slimy, like you said, car salesman. And some of them don't even call it sales. They call it business development, okay, because they don't want it. So right. the, the way people are doing sales now is gen, it's really more about, um, helping people and less about manipulation. It's more about being empathetic. It's less about making fast money and more about building your own personal brand for people so they want to buy from you forever and ever and ever and ever. People don't want to be pressured. 
you know, remember, your parents probably told you that people buy from those that they like and they trust. So once you right. gain someone's trust and they like you and you started a relationship, the best part is they're going to start referring you to other people. And it's kind of like um, the old, there's an old shampoo commercial, I told two friends and they told two friends and so on and so on. Well, if if you sold me a product that I loved and you were really, you know, um, you were in for my best interest, I'm going to tell my friends and I'm going to say, oh, my God, have you met Chris yet? Because you really have to. And then I'm going to refer you out. Well, that's making it less salesy because now all the people that you're talking to is part of that relationship-driven mechanism that you've developed with one person that keeps referring you out. So it's all about asking questions. It's all about having conversations. And you don't want to be a salesperson. And you don't have to be a salesperson. And I don't care if you have quotas or anything else. You don't have to be a salesperson. You can be a trusted advisor. You can be somebody that a resource for somebody. You know, change the word and you change the whole mindset. So do you actually develop different languages? You know, when I, I mean, do you train people to have these conversations or to think this way? Oh, Yeah. Absolutely. I do. I mean, I I do sales training. I do sales training. That's who I am. That's where I came from. And, you know, it just I I I do a lot of interactive role playing, which people hate the most, but learn the most. Mm -hmm. The worst thing you can ask a salesperson to do is to do a role playing um, exercise. They hate it. But once they do it and then you can't get them to stop talking after they really realize what they're doing. (laughs) Right, right. But I do. I develop all kinds of systems and um, questions and um, different strategies for people. So when they are in a position, when they are doing a sales position, it doesn't seem like it's really sales. It seems like it is a conversation that they're having with people, and it's much easier, much easier. So do you think it's necessary how you know how they always say, well, you know, you make more sales with a hook, like, right, oh, I show people how to save money on their health insurance, or I show people how to pay off their mortgage, or things like that. Is, you know, like the elevators, mm-hmm. you have little catch, you know, sayings that is good that you've developed, or is are you more spontaneous? Well, I'm definitely spontaneous, but here's the thing. You know, a lot of times when you have those catchphrases, yeah, you're going to attract people, but it's probably not the right person that you want to have a relationship with. It's going to be more transactional. You know, make a million dollars while you sleep, let me show you how. Right. So you bring a lot of people into the funnel, but then you lose most of them because there's no system. It's just let me get, let me see how many people I can bring into the fold. It's very transactional. Whereas if you said, you know, instead of saying you can make a million dollars while you sleep, if you said, you know, we can uh, increase your business by whatever, X percent, by using this system, by actually working. Nothing is fast. Nothing is easy. You know, it, that's not what it is. Right. It's not that it's difficult. It's just that you have to put the work in. You have to put the work in. And so whether you're doing sales as a product or you're doing coaching, it doesn't matter. You have to put the time in. You have to put the work in. Well, you know, this sounds great. And for those of you that are just joining us, you're listening to Ready, Set, Retire, and we're talking about salesy without being salesy with Judy Hoberman. And, Judy, why don't you tell everybody how they can reach out and find out some more about what you're doing? Well, my website is sellinginaskirt.com, and there's a lot of information about sales and about relationships and about um, strategies 
time management, anything that has to do with the sales process. I've got videos and audios and downloads, and a lot of them are for free, that you can just pull them down and, and watch them. And if you want to email me, it's Judy at Selling in a Skirt. And any of the social media, it's all Selling in a Skirt. All right. And, and you did you say you had something you wanted to give to everybody today? I do, and I have an offer for everybody, and guess what? I have never marketed it before, and oh. I have no idea why. <laughs> okay, cool. So right. it's an e- it's actually it's an e-book, and it's called Skirting the Issues, and it's a mini-guide, and it's filled with some really great sought-after principles and examples and action items that you can actually put into practice immediately, and it's free for everybody that's listening. And cool. you can just go to sellinginaskirt.com forward slash special dash offer so selling in a skirt forward slash special dash offer and just pull it down okay. wonderful thank you that's great you're so welcome yeah everybody reach out and get a hold of that because this works for everything i mean it's i mean like you said everything you know, the baby crying or your relationships or Right. Or just it's, trying to understand, you know, how you and you and your spouse or your partner speak to right. each other. You you, right. you pick up a lot of information. Yeah, communication. But w- what just lit up to me was a time management. Do you have any tips about time management? Yeah, actually, I have some great tips. So one of the things you have to always remember is you have to have. Um, You have to make sure that there's time for your personal life as well as your business life. And so what I've been doing for 30 years, I still do it, is I have a blotter-sized calendar. I still have one. I don't care about all the stuff you have online and your computer and your phone. Okay, so this is a regular blotter-sized calendar. Mm -hmm. And you take a different color um, marker for every person in your house. And the first thing that you do on your calendar is you, you start with your children. You put down every activity that they have to do. You mark it down in different colors. Then you do yourself and you do your, your your husband or wife or partner. So everything's listed. That's your personal stuff. Then you go into your business. What do you? What must you do every single day or week? So if it's a training, if it's a coaching call, if it's, you know, whatever it is, that goes on your calendar. Now, a couple of things will happen here at this point. One, if you're a salesperson, you'll be able to see when you can actually go and make sales because you'll see when you can work and you'll see when you can't work. But two, your family's now involved in this. And so they know that you're not just sitting home and eating bonbons or going out and playing, that you actually are working. And it becomes a time management tool for everyone because they look at it, they can see, oh, you've got my soccer game on there and I can actually you know, I know that I'm important, I'm on your calendar, and you're going to be there. So it, I've used it for 30 years and have not stopped. The only thing that changes, my children are grown, so I don't have the kids on there anymore. That is great. Mm-hmm. That, that's a good one. Yep. What about, um, you know, you have a book called Famous Isn't, what was the book called? Famous Isn't Enough. Famous, mm-hmm. what's, why don't you tell us a little bit about that? Okay, so after um, being in business for four years and realizing that I made every single solitary mistake you could possibly make in business, um, I decided to share those with people because I don't think that everybody should think that every person is an overnight success and everything is marvelous because it's not like that. So all the mistakes I made also gave me a lot of lessons. So the book, Famous Isn't Enough, is really about being, you know, getting your name out there but there's more to it than that. You, you just can't have a name out there. You have to have something behind that, whether it's content, whether it's money, whatever it is. So there's all different lessons 
all different mistakes. And it's actually funny. And at some part of the book, I say to you, you know, okay, so if you're here and you're shaking your head going, yeah, this is not for me, I said, you're right. You know, close the book and give it away. But if you're here and you're shaking your head going, oh, my God, this is me, then continue reading. <laughs> I'm glad you added some humor in there. Oh, it's, it, it, I, I always have funny stories in there. Always have funny stories. You have to. You have to be able to laugh at yourself mm-hmm. for sure. Well, do you have any other good tips you want to share? Share. I have a great thing that, um, you know, on my radio show I was talking about it, and my producer was listening to it, and when we finished the show he said, oh, my God, this is the best thing. And so he's been using this for, I'm going to say, it's got to be three or four months now, but every time I tell someone, somebody, somebody this, they're like, oh, my God, this is it. So I'll tell you about, it's called the strategic triangle. And I am, and as most entrepreneurs are, are shiny object people. Everything looks good. Everything looks good. Okay, I'm going to try that. I'm going to add this. I'm going to do that. So I worked with a strategist, and I am not a strategist. I'm an implementer. I'm not a strategist. But he said to me, one of the things you have to do is you have to be very focused. So anybody that's listening, that's an entrepreneur especially. Now, you can be in uh, corporate America as well, but especially if you're an entrepreneur, this is for you. So he told me that I had to list every single thing that I did in my business. And when all was said and done, he wanted me to pick three things that I love to do and that can make me money. And so he drew a triangle for me. And in each of the corners, we put one of the three things that I like to do. So it's speaking, it's coaching, and it's um, speaking, coaching, and training. If it doesn't fit, If somebody asks me to do something and it doesn't fit into one of those corners, I cannot do it. Hmm. If I want to do it, I actually have to eliminate something. Okay? So a triangle has three sides. It's not a pentagon. It's not a hexagon. It's not an octagon. You have three things. Mm -hmm. And what's interesting about women is we don't like to say no to anybody. I don't say no anymore. When somebody asks me to do business with them or to do something that is clearly not in my triangle, I always have it with me, and I show them. I go, you know what? It's not in my triangle. I can't do it. So it keeps me very focused, and I never go outside the triangle lines because I can't. You know, it's almost like an invisible warden. You can't do this. Mm-hmm. And it's for me, it works. Wow. So that really keeps you focused. Do you, do you do that during the day? Like, I mean, you know, you're in front of your computer, and you're getting bombarded, so are you really just looking at everything from that mindset always always yeah. i've been i've been doing it for now it's um probably a year and a half mm-hmm. so it's very if i'm very focused my radio show for me is speaking coaching and training it it fits all three right so that will work for me um when i did a telesummit it was really speaking coaching training it worked for me. But when somebody asks me if I can go into direct sales with them, I look and I go, okay, it's not speaking, it's not coaching, it's not training, no. I, I don't even have to think about it. It's a no. Wow. Good. So. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's a great tip. And, yeah. you know, you talk a lot, you talk in your um, sales training about setting powerful goals mm-hmm. and how important that is. Absolutely. You know, a goal with that, that you don't set, not if you don't write it down, if you don't uh, share it with somebody else, it's really just a dream. And there's really nothing wrong with having a dream, mm-hmm. except that if, when you're in business, you have to have a goal. And, you know, I always tell people to write something down 
in great detail. So if you said to me, like my son said to me a couple of years ago, what's your goal for 2010? And I said, to make more money than I made last year. He said, oh, okay, so if you made a dollar more, you'd be okay? And that <laughs> oh. was like the light bulb. Wow. Okay? Good yes, yeah. because really you have to be able to write something down in great detail that somebody can't pull apart. So if you want to make more money, how much more do you want to make? If you want to have more clients, how many more clients do you want? If you want to, you know, win that trip to the, you know, the Bahamas, what do you need to do it? Because that has to be part of your goal. So everything has to be in great detail. And that's setting powerful goals because there is nothing to poke holes into it. That's great. Well, you trained your son good there. Pick up on that one. <laughs> yeah, I guess. <laughs> That's good. So, okay, so how do you find these golden clients? You know, I always tell people that you have to be able to describe who your client is first and foremost. Okay, so you have to be able to say what they look like. And I don't mean physically. Who is your client? So wherever you would, however you describe your client. So let's say you, let's say your ideal client was somebody that is um, a high worth, high net worth client. Okay, who are they? That's what you have to decide. Who are they? What do they do? At that point, you have described your niche market, and you want to go and find these people who can who can become your clients. So you have to do a little bit of um, detective work. Where do they hang out? Is there an association that they all belong to? Is there a group that they network with? Do they have a lunch meeting every month? Where are they online? You know, or do they have a specific LinkedIn group? And that's where you target. That's where you go after, as opposed to hanging out with other financial people who are also looking for the same people. I mean, it's nice to go to a networking event where you hang with your friends. It's really fun. Right. But yeah. it doesn't get you anywhere. You have to do things with intention. So finding right. those golden clients are the ones where you are networking with intention. Great. Excellent. So um, do you do something when you're pre- you know, preparing for, for a good sale? Yeah, is there some sort of prepping that you have to do or – well, I always, you know, I try to do a little bit of um, pre-work. So I, if I can find out a little bit about my client, if I can find out about their business. But I really would rather go and talk to them face-to-face and get some information from them directly. I mean, if I'm going to do, if I'm going to build a training program, I'm going to find out about the company, but then I'm going to go and ask questions. Mm-hmm. And then I go back and, you know, I do my research and, then I'm able to make the sale. But I really much prefer to have the one-on-one or if it's a, you know, a group that I have to talk in front of, you know, I'd rather have that information directly from them. So I don't prepare a lot only because I'd rather prepare with the person. So and and so you actually when you say go into a corporation, you just scope out exactly what their weaknesses are and do a lot of questioning first before you develop develop your program. Yeah, you know, I'll ask them what their you know what their challenges are, and you know, one of the things you always want to find out is what keeps people up at night. Mm-hmm. And so when you ask that question, you know, what's your greatest challenge or what keeps you up at night? What you have to also come back with is, is anybody helping you do that? So if if I asked you that question, Chris, what keeps you up at night? And you said to me, you know, it's the fact that I don't have consistent cash flow and I don't know where my clients are and whatever. My next question would be, who is helping you to correct that? 
Well, right. if you're sitting there, it's probably nobody. And there's that's where you start the conversation. Okay, so what you're saying is, and you just repeat whatever they said, and then you say something like, so if, what do you see happening if you don't change this? And then they give you more information. And how bad do you really want to change this? And they give you more information. And then we just, you know, you start asking questions. But my secret that I, after I ask them all questions, you know, open-ended, close-ended, and all different types, and I get all this information, I always ask one more question. And my last question to them is, is there anything else? And the reason I ask that question is because at that moment, we're not trying to close them yet. We're still trying to get this information and come up with a solution. If you say, is there anything else, and they say no, then you continue as a regular process. But if they say yes, there is something else, you generally will get the objection that you would have gotten at the end right there. Ah. So at that point when they say to you, yeah, I, you know, here's what's bothering me, and they say to you, well, you know, really I, I don't think I have the money to put into this retirement fund. Mm-hmm. And then you start asking more questions because right. evidently you're going to find some money for them by asking more questions. And then they go, oh, okay. And then you say, Do I have, is there anything else? And they say no. Well, that just, it leads into a natural close. Because you've asked all the questions and you had ah, the conversation, right? You have you have a neat acronym for skirt strategies. I do. For, yeah, you want to explain it? Uh, yeah, or, it's great. It's, yeah, it's uh, strategies for success, uh-huh. keys keys to achievement, inspiration driven, results oriented, and time management. And so each one of my training modules goes according to skirt. Because everything I do is about the skirt. That's my branding. Mm-hmm. So we talk about you know different strategies of how to become successful. We might talk about how the keys to achievement would be your goal setting. Um, inspiration driven is how you relate to people. The communication, results oriented is obviously where you want to be this time next year and how we're going to get you there. And time management is just everything else. How are you going to separate your time and how are you going to make sure that you have that whatever work-life balance it's called, you know. So so I, those are the different modules that I do. Well, that's great. Has, how has this affected your relationship with your husband? Is it really, does it dial it in better because you're relationship-driven so you guys are communicating better? <laughs> <laughs> well, actually, we've only been married a year, uh-huh. so he was still learning about how this whole thing works. Yeah. <laughs> but but he's very funny because he'll say to me, he'll say something and then he'll say to me, "Did I say that right?" <laughs> <laughs> That's great. Well, but you also can... yeah, yeah, he's also a strategist and I'm also I'm the implementer. So we have our different yeah. ways of listening and learning and everything else. And so sometimes it's easier and sometimes it's a little more difficult, but we get through it. That's great. Mm-hmm. Well, well, is there any other little cherries on the top or tips that you want to share with everybody? Well, you know, one of the things I always talk about is that everybody needs a plan. Everybody has to have a plan. And and I never had uh, put together a real plan. But I have an acronym for plan, and I think it's important for people to know it's simple, it's easy, and it just makes sense to me. So if everybody just writes down the word plans on a paper, and here's what it stands for. The P is for priorities. Until you know what matters most, you'll never know the difference between a distraction and an opportunity. Mm. The the L is for leverage. 
you have to have different ways that you can engage someone to do business with you, whether it's online, whether it's offline, whether it's on the phone, whether it's email, whether it's through an association. You just have to have different ways. The A is for access. People, companies, the ones that are successful are the ones that have access. So when you show up, you get access. So go to those meetings, go to those those trainings, go to those seminars. When you show up, you have access. The N is for network. You want to surround yourself with a solid core network. And you want to be able to have, you know, different ways of using networks. One would be that you use them for support. They could be your strategic partners. But the other is to network with the people that are your potential clients. So you have to network with intention. And then the S is for service. You have to always remember it's not about you. People don't really care about you. It's about them. So you want to make sure you always help somebody else out. That's my little acronym. That's so cute. I like (laughs) that. That's great. Well, very, very inspiring. And, again, everybody can reach out to you at sellinginaskirt.com, correct? Correct. Yes. Yes, it is. Okay. And you're going to have an ev- you're you're having events because this this is going to be a posted evergreen so that people can reach out to you and find out when your event is. Absolutely. Um, and reach out if they have any questions for you, get your book. Mhm. And uh, do you have anything else you'd like to add? Well, you know, there's all there's always different um, pieces of the puzzle for people, and it just depends on what level you're at. You know, there are things that I have for people that are just starting out, and they just need a little mm-hmm. hand-holding. You know, and, and there's little sales clubs that you can belong to. And then there's other things. There's coaching. But there's also, you know, I, I offer people um, one-minute videos that are on my website. They're, they're free. They're one-minute sales tips. And sometimes when you just need one little tip, they're there. So go looking go look under video. You know, if you if you like who I am, you want to sign up for my my uh, newsletter, go for it. There's also special reports that you can sign up. I'd love for you to, you know, to be part of my community and I love to help people. I love to give out information. I I love to bring value, but I also like to hear from people. So you can always email me at Judy at selling in a skirt. You can always comment on my blogs. You, you know, just stay connected. Great. Well, Judy, you know, it's really, if people reach out to you, you really can help them take off years because of your experience. Mm-hmm. And and just a few things that you can share with them will, will dial them in and, like, save them years of trying to figure all this out because there is an art, there's a technique to it, and, you know, you know what you're doing. So I really, really want to thank you for, for being on the show today and, sharing with us and anybody who want to reach out to me again my name is chris miller and uh, you can get my free article on the three myths of financial planning um, at ready for pretirement r-e-a-d-y-f-o-r-p-r-e-t-i-r-e-m-e-n-t.com or reach out to me direct at chris k-r-i-s at ready for pretirement again judy thanks so much for joining us today Thanks, Chris. This is this is wonderful, and I love what you're doing, and so hopefully we'll be able to do some more collaboration. 
Absolutely. Well, I'd like to really maybe just take a particular subject we could drill down in the future and actually walk people through some of these, you know, entrepreneurs that are beginning and trying to figure out how to do this. And I'm sure we could really, really share something useful. And I think that a lot of the younger entrepreneurs coming up, um, I think that they should be learning about retirement when they're a lot younger than when they're older. And I think oh. that that's something that we forget about, that all of a sudden you know, you're know you 50-something years old and you're thinking, oh, I should have thought about that when I was 30. I know. I've heard that so many times. And, and, and in two decades, you know, over 20 years, then seeing people coming in at 70 and 80, and that's, what, that's the majority of when people start planning. Mm-hmm. And there, it's crazy how many opportunities, money-making opportunities, they're missing. So, yeah, that's exactly why I wrote my book. I'm trying to get pre-retirement, planning ahead of time. And to me, retirement's in a state of mind because I don't really plan to ever retire. But, (laughs) you know, be in that relaxed state of mind while we work, right? And there's something really nice knowing that everything is covered and taken care of and you don't have to worry about it. So it gives you peace of mind or in a state of mind. So, well, we'll look forward to having you on again, Judy, and thank you so much for joining us today. Thanks, Chris. All right. Found out you can't take the curve at 85. My whole life flashed before my eyes I braced myself to leave this world behind As a million questions raced across my mind Did I live? Did I love? Did I matter to someone? Did I give everything I had to give? Did I save any souls? Was I worried about my own? Was I haunted by the things I never did? Did I embrace each day with faith, hope, and laughter? Did I matter? From that moment I became a brand new me With the golden ticket to a better destiny And I told my heart there'll never come a day When I'd have to search inside of me and say Did I live? Did I love? Did I matter to someone? Did I give everything I had to give? Did I save any souls? Was I worried about my own? Was I haunted by the things I never did? Did I embrace each day with faith, hope, and laughter? Did I matter? can be a voice of inspiration and my story finds you well cause when the curtain falls there ain't no second chances and you don't wanna ask yourself did I live 
Did I love? Did I matter to someone? Did I give everything I had to give? Did I save any souls? Was I worried about my own? Was I haunted by the things I never did? Did I embrace each day with faith, hope, and laughter? Did I matter? Did I matter? Oh, oh. did I matter?